Hello, how are we all? Thank you for listening, thank you for downloading. With us here at the Clock and Talk, I'm your host, Tez, and uh, we've jumped on to do a bit of a podcast this week because we haven't got much Arsenal stuff, so it's not going to be a regular podcast, but it's going to be more of a football podcast. So those Arsenal fans who tune into us each week for an Arsenal podcast, I will let you tune out because um, it's just going to be about football transfers. Uh, we'll touch base on a couple of friendlies and, um, yeah, we'll see what we can dig out of this podcast. Um, but before we get too carried away, each and every week I'm joined by Tony. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I am literally bored senseless. Um, I've worked out my World Cup schedule, though, and it turns out I will be able to watch every game. I've got a little thing on my phone that's uh, all the kickoff times, who's playing who, and it is perfect timing for, for England. So anyone that's in England, uh, there's, there's no clashes apart from, obviously, the third game of every group. But the times are, I think, 11, 1, 3 and 5 p.m. or 3 and 7 p.m., which is obviously a bit crap if you're at work. But I work from home, so I am literally in dreamland. It's just going to be solid football. And then I'm one of them sad people that watch Love Island, which will probably mean nothing to Tez and Schwinn. But after the football's finished, Love Island will be on. So my June and July is just full, and I'm, I'm booked up. <laughs> You're booked up. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go involved in what the fuck Love Island is. So. Uh, we'll move on very quickly to Schwinn. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm doing very well, but I do want to know what Love Island is. It just sounds wrong in a lot of ways, so I'm curious to know what it's about. So maybe uh, we, can, we can talk about it at some point. But yeah, I'm doing well. You'll see uh, it on Twitter. I'll swear, it's literally, if we would have had the Clock End Talk last summer, it would have become Love Island Talk. Like, literally, that's all that UK Twitter was for the whole month last year. It just took over everything. So there goes our, our followership for the summer. We're going to have a 50% exodus at some point. But oh, yeah, I don't know. I think well. we might gain. If you talk about Love Island all the time, I think you gain listeners, or UK <laughs> listeners anyway. I think people can expect a lot of Love Island talk on Twitter from, from our account in particular now. <laughs> um, so I don't know how you boys have been situated because, Schwinn, you're back in America, aren't you? Uh, I am, yes. Uh, so we're back to the grind, uh, to recording at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Eastern time. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be here for the next few weeks and uh, try and join you guys whenever we do a podcast. And Tony, obviously, you're the UK. So I don't know how you guys have gone with the friendly matches on television broadcasts and whatnot. Um, have you seen many, Schwinn? Uh, there hasn't been a lot on TV. I know Tony mentioned this, that the UK is uh, also suffering from this at the moment. But uh, first of all, I don't have cable. So I am usually resorting to, you know, to streaming services, uh, albeit legit ones, uh, ESPN, Fox, and, and the other boys. But there's not been a whole lot. I think uh, a lot of them have been taken by being in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have access to that. So th- there are ways of watching games. It's not as if they're they're not available. But, of course, depending on your subscription and depending on what channels you, you have in your package, I think you're restricted to watching a few games. And you're a bit the same as well, Tony. Yeah, I mean, we, we've not got them anyway. Obviously, England was on um, and um, Austria-Germany was on, but it wasn't advertised at all. And because of delayed kickoff time uh, due to bad weather there, it wasn't even on the TV guide because like, the game was meant to kick off at six and finish at roughly eight. And I don't think it kicked off till half seven in the end. So if you looked over at half seven, the TV guide said there was something else on. Um, So I didn't watch it for that reason. Um, But apart from that, I've not seen any. I think maybe an island game against someone no one really cares about was probably on. Um, But Island France wasn't. Literally, I've just seen nothing. It's really surprised me because it's not like there's anything else on to to fill the gaps. We've just Mm -hmm. been fed TV for, for a while. Probably uh, Love Island preview was on, mate. Uh-huh, not yet, but from Monday, trust me. <laughs> uh, I can't look, wait till you two see Twitter just all about Love Island and you'll realise I'm not mental. <laughs> oh, I'll have to tune in and have a look what this shit is about. Um, oh, no, the, the program's comical, but Twitter will be hilarious. <laughs> I just... Um, so one, one game that stuck out like dog's balls to me, Tony, was India. Schwinn was... Uh, he had his little Indian flag going 100 miles an hour. Uh, they beat a team, who did they beat? Chinese, a Chinese team. Chinese Taipei. Chinese Taipei, 5-0. Um, Are you, you boys for real? Were you shocked, Schwinn? 
<laughs> is is that for real, or are you taking the piss? Oh, Did that really happen? That's really happened, mate. I told no lie. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> I think I, I think I missed it in my travels somewhere. I remember you were sending me a screenshot of of it being three nil at one point. Yeah, it finished five nil. Wow, five nil. Finished. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there might be a trip to the homeland that is pending now because of that. <laughs> and um, so, that, is that a big shock for you? Oh, absolutely. India yeah. winning at anything but cricket. How is that not a shock for anyone? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I don't know the Chinese type, Taipei uh, in strength-wise. So, um, but no, I suppose India. Good on them. Um, now, Australia also won. They beat the Czech, Czech Republic boys 4-0. Now, a lot of the Australian listeners here will... Um, obviously understand what I've type of been going through for the last couple of days because we beat Czech Republic 4-0. Um, was it a shock? Probably was a bit of a shock. We didn't expect, or I didn't expect a 4-0 win. Um, so you could imagine what's happening over here at the moment, lads. Uh, Peru and Denmark are looking like a, uh, a little hurdle <laughs> to, to move to the next... Uh, you I've know. heard they've already started uh, inscribing Australia's name on the World Cup. Uh, they have, mate. Pretty much, yeah. It's 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 top. Yeah, it's, it is comical, actually. It's yeah. look, I I'm not taking nothing away from Australia. I'm, tr- I'm trying to be very careful what I say because my Australian friends have gone for fuck's sake, Tess. But um, look, it's great, but don't get the expectations too high, guys. Look, just settle down a little bit. Denmark and Peru are the, are the ones we've got to beat or draw or something. So. Let's just, everybody needs to just settle down a little bit and just see what happens. Um, and I was talking to Tony, that Czech side, I had a look at it. I don't know if it was their strongest team. Um, there was one or two players that I recognised. Uh, I can't even think of them now. So I think you you recognised one, didn't you, Tony? Yeah, I mean, there was a few names that I recognised as being out as well, like or that I would expect to be in the team that weren't. But... Obviously, they've not got a tournament coming up, so you'd expect them to not be in the same mode as, as Australia or any of the teams that are going to the tournament. Uh, you'd ex- mm. With more, I don't want to say momentum, but more focus, uh, because the Czech Republic probably finished that game and now they're going on holiday for eight weeks or whatever, whereas Australia finished that game and they're also going on holiday, but they have to play some football and lose some football matches in, in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to touch, I'm not going to go through all these friendlies, but France looked overwhelming 3-1 against Italy, who everybody was talking about Italy prior to this game because of Balotelli. He scored two, I think it was against, uh, was it Austria, Tony? Saudi Arabia, I think. Saudi Arabia. So he was, um, he was, he scored a couple of goals. So all of a sudden... Uh, Balotelli's come out and Arsenal have been linked to him. <laughs> um, I put a poll up after that game asking, um, you know, would you have him, at, have him at Arsenal? And I was actually shocked to see one of our regular listeners in Glenn Baxter decided to say yes. How are we, Glenn? <laughs> um, so I just thought I'd bring that up and I'd ask you guys, Tony Balotelli at Arsenal. Uh not for me. Um, I think there, there may have been half a chance of signing him a few years ago when Liverpool signed him. Um, at that time, he was probably crying out for a striker, and if they didn't go near him, then I don't think they ever will. I think the story's come about because he's, he's going to be on the cheap, and Sven loves value. And also, he was heavily, heavily linked with Dortmund last year, to an extent where everyone pretty much thought it was done. Um, so, obviously, Sven was there, and it becomes, again, Sven working with value. He believed that if he could get Balotelli on the cheap or free and, and get him to score 15 goals in the league, then he would have a price and and obviously Sven makes his value. Um, obviously now Sven is with us. I would just imagine that that's where the stories come from. I can't I can't see it happening. I can't see Arsenal working with a player like Balotelli. I can't see Arsenal working with an agent like Raiola unless they absolutely have to. So... I mean, I know there is examples of Mkhitaryan, but Mkhitaryan added to our first team, whereas Balotelli would be, you'd imagine, at best third third choice. But, I mean, I can't see it happening at all. 
he can't play any other position, though, could he? He, like, he, he couldn't adapt like an Abemayang or a Lacazette who could play a left or a right. Really, no. could he? No, he's, he's more of a, you know, one position striker, that's it. Oh, he's a traditional nine. A, a traditional nine can't play anywhere else. You wouldn't have asked Alan Shearer to play anywhere else. I'm not I'm not for a second comparing the two, but yep. they're both traditional nine. So if you wouldn't have said to Alan Shearer, go and play on the left wing or, or go and play as a ten. Uh, so you wouldn't you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that of Balotelli. Yeah. Okay. And Schwinn, quick opinion, mate. That was that was so poised from you guys on Balotelli. I feel like I my reaction prior to the pod was so much more uh, emotional <laughs> in that sense. But I think uh, apart from what you guys mentioned, I think there's there's two other things to look at here. Number one is that no one knows what Arsenal are doing. I think the managerial appointment made that very clear and links like these which I'm pretty sure all our followers know. I mean, you know, talking about this more and more is almost insul- insulting their intelligence. I think all our followers and listeners know that we're not looking for a striker. We're not looking for an out-and-out attacking player, maybe a winger. And Balotelli, as you guys said, doesn't fit that mold. And the, the second point is that the media is willing to link us with everyone and because they know that Arsenal fans are notorious for clicking on, on stuff and articles and whatnot. And despite it being the most obvious non-signing, we'll still read about it. And, you know, we all fall victim to that. So I think it's just a, a case of, of you know, a, a link that's been concocted out of thin air and has zero significance to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just, I can't see him fitting anywhere, anywhere. And even if it's free, I, 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 I just see Lucas Perez all over again. He's going to be sitting on the bench. We loan him out in January. It was just a, well, you know, uh, what what we sign him for? Um, another two quick friendlies I want to touch on, um, only because I have an English follower with me here. So, Tony, I, I don't think you said you saw the game, but you may have seen some highlights, mate. Two one over Nigeria. What was your? You know, you were pretty happy with that, I suppose. I know it was only. Friendly, uh, I watched but... the ninety minutes. I did watch the whole game. It's the only. It's pretty much the only friendly we've had. Um, just we're we're so bad. We're so predictable. Uh, I would like to say we looked good in the first half, but I, I don't think it was a glittering performance. Um, the, the keeper should have saved Kane's goal. It was a huge error, and the other one was from a set piece. Uh, as much as I hate to admit it, I think Trippier, Tottenham right back, is going to be a big asset for England this, in this tournament because his delivery is so good. Mm. Um, and we're going to have to play through the wide areas a lot because we don't have any creativity in midfield, or especially not from deep. We have Lingard and Ali are both good runners and both goal threats, but not they don't create anything and I think Kane is going to struggle to an extent because the service isn't going to be what he's used to unless Trippier can work some magic on the other side we had Young who gets down the wing and has to cut back every time because obviously he's playing on the left but heavily right footed so again that kind of kills your creativity down that side I wasn't overly I wasn't overjoyed with the performance they I think the shape beat them uh, the first half they uh, we played a back five and they played a back four and we just had spare men everywhere and then they changed shape at, uh, at half time and in the second half they were much the better team it wasn't even close uh, they scored quite early on good finish from Iwobi Iwobi had a very good game actually mm. uh, <clears throat> obviously tweeted just as the game started I was very surprised to see him play on the right um, for them because that's where he's at his worst for us so everyone knows I'm not a huge Iwobi fan anyway but if you tell me to pick the least favourite position for him it would definitely be on the right um, he started on the right he played the first half on the right and, and he done quite well and then he moved in field in the second half and he played even better um, it also surprised me that Victor Moses played on the left for them considering he plays every week for Chelsea on the right um, even when they switched shapes to a back five you thought oh, that's ideal that's where Moses plays every week at the right wing back but still didn't switch him still kept him on the left um, but yeah we were just as soon as they matched us up we were clueless it was like our one advantage was that we had a different shape and spare men in some positions. As soon as they took that away, we, we looked clueless, and it's just because we can't retain the ball in midfield. Uh, from an Arsenal point of view, as I said, we played very well and scored. Uh, Danny Welbeck came on and hassled and harried and ran and done what Danny Welbeck does. Didn't really show any quality when he when he got in some good positions, but got in some good positions for his running power. Pretty much a standard Danny Welbeck 20 minutes. 
Yeah, I've seen um, Twitter. I didn't watch the game, so it's very hard to make much of a comment on it. I, I did see a little highlight of a Nigeria player, and I can't even know who it was, running circles around Harry Kane. Um, I got a little laugh out of that. Um, but Awobi, I, I, obviously we follow a lot of Arsenal people on Twitter, and mate, everybody was talking about Awobi, and I thought, well, he, he he had a really good game by the looks of it, and by the sounds of it. Um what is it with with Awobi? He seems to play well for his country, doesn't he? Um, I, I don't think it was as exceptional as people are going on about. I think just because he's so heavily criticised at Arsenal, that anything above a sort of seven or eight out of ten was was people were being amazed by. Mm. Um, I, I think he's defensively lacking, um, and I don't know. It just doesn't get pointed out as much. Um, when you're when you're at that type of team, so it highlighted what he's very good at. He's very good. He's very strong. He holds the ball very well, and, he, and he, his pass completion is always good. He keeps things ticking. He's not usually a threat to the other team's goal, and he scored yesterday for rebound of a shot that hit the post. Um, I mean, it, it can happen. And he, but to be fair, he played a very good ball to Igalo in that move where Igalo hit the post and Iwobi scored the rebound. It was a very good forward pass. But that that's what we want to see more of. And I think the issue is. He doesn't influence the game in an attacking as an attacking threat for someone who plays in an attacking position. I think that's the big issue we have with Iwobi. Uh He moved into the centre, and I think again he kept the ball moving very well, strong. Very rarely loses it, but um, again not an attacking threat, and also quite poor defensively. Um, he... he lost Ali a few times, and you can argue that's not his job. But if that's where he, if they're playing him in that position, I mean I've seen some people say, "Oh, why don't we play him in centre midfield?" Because he looked excellent there yesterday. But the defensive scrutiny would be highlighted a lot more. And there was a few times yesterday where he lost runners and we didn't sc- England, sorry, I keep saying we didn't score from it. Mm. Uh, so it's not highlighted. But even if we did score from it, it wouldn't be highlighted because he's now an opposition player. Um, very good game. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I don't, I don't think that shows us how Arsenal were doing anything wrong. Or I don't, that, that, I don't look at that and think, oh, he's actually an excellent player and everyone's been wrong all along. Central midfield role, is that a role that he always plays with uh, Nigeria? I don't know. I I don't watch massive amounts. Uh, It's hard to go on their numbers because usually in international football, obviously you're numbered 1 to 11 and and your positions are going to be your numbers pretty much, give or take. But he wears number 18 for international. So I I don't, uh, you can't read much into that. He started on the right. He moved into centre midfield a little bit deeper. Um, so, I, I mean, there's not much you can really judge from that. I, I spoke to a few of our Nigerian followers who said, uh, this is just an experiment, this is what friendlies are for, which is fair enough, but yeah. I don't I don't know where he usually plays. They didn't say he usually plays as a 10 or he usually does this or that. Um, they just said that he was starting on the right as an experiment. Okay. Um, Tony, uh, no, not Tony, Schwinn. So you've you've labelled Germany as your winner for the World Cup, and I don't know you wouldn't have seen it seen this game, but um, Austria beat them, mate, two one. They did, and I did catch a bit of the game. Of course, not the whole thing, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, and I don't think anyone would be who who is a Germany fan. I think Austria wanted to wanted to play, and I think Germany played a very rotated team. Although you had some some key players in there. But and and you would still expect the team to to do a job and the performance wasn't good, uh, especially in the first half. I felt despite us scoring that one goal, I, I think the the what onus mean? was. What's that, Tony? What do you mean us? <laughs> oh come on! Uh, you know what I mean. Um, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Who's us? <laughs> well, you guys think as if I've not been supporting the team for a while, but I have. But uh, I'll, I'll switch over to Germany uh, instead of calling them us. But I think Germany did a good job uh, when it came to giving some young players some time. Um, Pedersen was was not really someone who who made an impact. I think this was his first start. And uh, I think Lowe wanted to give him a chance to to come up the ranks and maybe prove a point. Julian Brandt was pretty anonymous as well. And uh, I thought Mesut Ozil had a decent game. I thought Leroy Asani looked sharp. And we, well, again, we. Uh, but uh, I think Germany missed Tony Cruz, which uh, you know just tells you that despite him lacking a lot of pace, uh, he's very important to you know keeping things ticking and controlling the game almost metronomically. 
So, I mean, I'm not too worried. It was good to see Manu Neuer back in goal. Uh, and it seems like he'll be fit for the World Cup. So that's always good. But yeah, I think the, the occasion sort of fizzled out after the delay. The, the pitch wasn't ideal and it, it just didn't fall into place. I haven't got it in front of me, but I'm just going to have a quick look at their group in a minute. Um, we've seen it in the past. Spain, they've, they've um, obviously failed miserably in their group and we've seen it with Belgium a few times um, and by memory France I think too they've all also um, choked in that first hurdle do you think Germany have got that in them like you know this is the start of them them choking absolutely not um, I mean my answer could be construed for you know blind fandom but I don't think the Germans have it in them and, you know, it, it, Italy is another one who's fallen victim to that sort of complacency. But I don't think the Germans have it in them. I mean, the personalities around the team, in the team, uh, there, there's some strong winners in there. You know, you look at the back line, um, three of the four players, you know, are, are probably serial winners in a lot of ways. Neuer's a presence. Kadira, Cruz uh, are a presence. Thomas Muller is a presence. You have some subdued personalities, maybe like Timo Werner and Mesut Ozil. And then, of course, you have a couple of young players, you know, Sané and, and Hector. But I think in terms of being drilled, in terms of their technical prowess, there's, there's very few teams that come close on their day. And I don't think Germany is a team that's going to tank. They could disappoint. I mean, even a, a quarterfinal exit would be a disappointment. Mm. But to, to, to fail in the group is, is not something I would imagine. Uh, what would happen to them? I just had a quick look at their group, and I'm just trying to think back to our last podcast, Tony. So they got um, obviously Mexico, South Korea, Sweden. Can you see a slip up here? No, no, no. They'll win the group. As 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 uh, Schwinn said, it's, it's not in their DNA. It's not in their makeup. Uh, they're also solid in all areas. There's some teams that you look at and you think, oh, they're really good going forward, but not the greatest at the back. And and if it doesn't click for them going forward, or they have an off day, they're in trouble. But Germany are, are well equipped in all areas so even if the defense isn't working well they could potentially outscore people if they're, if they're attacking not great you could you could it's more than capable of them keeping clean sheets and nicking a goal if their right side's not working they can attack down the left and vice versa or they can go through the middle I think they're, they're just a solid machine that, that's well equipped in all areas so I think for them to fail you'd need literally every player to fail mm, okay um, so our last podcast, we've done our prediction through our groups. Tony, have you, after seeing any of the friendly matches, and I know we've still got a few more friendlies, have you thought, oh, shit, I'd like to change that? Or you're pretty switched pretty straight on with what you chose well, before? For two reasons, I've not changed my mind. One, because I absolutely cannot remember who I picked. <laughs> and two... I take literally no notice of friendlies. Like teams are still trying things. Yep. All of the players that played in the Champions League final are not back yet. I know. I think the. I know with England that they didn't even join in training yet. The players that played in the Champions League final. Granted, it's only Henderson and Alexander Arnold, but they've not even joined in with the squad yet, or they will have done yesterday for the first time. Um, and as I said, it's all about trying things. As the the Nigerian follower said, there's no way for him, in his opinion. I'm, I'm not. I don't know. But he's saying there's no way Iwobi's going to start on the right in the World Cup. But they tried it um, in a different thing. I know, interestingly, England's game on Thursday, we've requested a, an Asian referee just to to see how they referee games differently. Mm. So these friendlies are all about trying things and seeing how different things work. So I don't pay any attention to them. Okay. Um, one thing I know, I was quite strong on, on France doing very well. And I know I picked Griezmann as the player of the tournament and potentially golden boot winner and, and every time I see them I'm more and more convinced that they're going to do well the only worry I have for them is that teams are just going to defend deep because of the amount of pace they had but then that's where Olivier Giroud has to show what he's all about okay so no change in group C for <clears throat> Australia no uh, <laughs> I don't think you'll get I don't think they'll get three points yeah no fair cool fair cool um Schwinn, how about you, mate? You're pretty straightforward of what you chose. Yeah, again, I, I've fallen victim to not being able to watch a lot of games. So, you know, and even if I had, as Tony said, there's, there's not a lot of weightage that you want to put on these games. So it's tough mm. to say. 
I mean, this is probably as good as time as any to maybe talk about Salah. And I don't know what the recent reports are just because I've been away from the internet. But is he going to be able to make it back in time for the World Cup? Do we have any more clarity on that? I read reports that he will be fine. But um, what are you getting, Tony? Yeah, they, they seem to be pretty confident. There's, I know he's, he's working in Spain, I think in Valencia, uh, on his injury. Um, so they, they seem to think he's going to be fine. Um, he will be, obviously, short of match practice and short of practice with the team. If he is still in Spain, he hasn't even joined up with the squad yet, which means by not being there, he can't work on, on various systems. Even though he obviously can't be on the pitch, they would still uh, brief them about the systems they're going to play and stuff and and with him not being there, that would be a struggle. Interestingly, I'm, I'm pretty sure I might be wrong that they played Colombia the other day, and I'm pretty sure our Nenny didn't play either. Um, so you'd say two of their biggest players are not either not going to be involved or aren't involved in in any of their warm-up games, um, which would probably be a worry for them. Yeah, I'm just trying to mm. look at how they went in that game now. I didn't they drew it. with Colombia. Oh, they drew it. Oh, OK. Well, they're their two stars. That's pretty big. They drew, they drew nil-nil. I, th- I know... They, yeah. they were seven to seven to one before the match, but it was finished nil nil. I think it was there was all Colombia possession, it was like seventy percent possession, but there was only three shots on target in the whole game. Yeah, okay. Um, the only one, and Schwinn took notes of it, but my only one that I'm not sure about is Nigeria and Croatia in that group. Um, I I'm actually liking this Nigeria team a little bit, boys. I think Argentina will group, group D, but. If I stuck, if I went Argentina Nigeria, I stick with it. Um, if I went Ar- Argentina Croatia, well, I'll change it to Nigeria. So I just think they're, um, yeah, they're, they're top of doing enough, aren't they, to prove that they they can probably get second in that group? But I don't know a lot about the Croatia team either. So um, you did go for Croatia, just for the record. Okay, yeah, I'll change that to Nigeria. That would be my only change. Um, okay, boys, so that's about it on the friendlies. There's not much more to go on there. Um, I did see a funny result there about Ireland. Beat some, Ireland beat USA, Schwinn. <laughs> you funny, poor cunts can't get a fucking win. <laughs> Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> um, now, boys, there's been... Oh, we're going to touch on the Champions League game because Schwinn did go to the game. Um, I want to get your view, Schwinn, on on a certain goalkeeper that has been copping a fucking shitload of sticks since uh, that game, mate. What was it like around the around the ground there? Can I just say he says a certain goalkeeper because he doesn't know how to pronounce his name? No, I didn't write his. I didn't write it even down. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't it was his name. Who's his name? Loris Carriers. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it was it was weird. It's one of the weirder goals I have witnessed in the flesh because you know the only time you you find yourself gasping or you know in disbelief when a goal is scored is because of how outrageous it usually is. You know, you, not a lot of blunders will make you gasp, but this was one of those, and I mean. I want to feel bad for Carries, I'll be honest, because I think up until then, up until maybe when Salah was on the field, I think the game was very well balanced. And him going off completely changed the complexion of the game, in my opinion. But I think Carries suffered from tunnel vision for a second. I think he just didn't recognize Benzema was close enough to probably get a foot to it and, and tried to roll the ball out and found himself, you know, picking the ball out of his net a second after. I mean, it was comical, uh, and um, after a few seconds, I found myself almost laughing and, and chuckling at what had happened. But it's very unfortunate for him to, you know, to do that at, at the biggest stage of his career uh, and in recent memory for Liverpool Football Club. Uh, but I think now that I look back at it, I'm definitely more humored by it uh, than anything else. I um. I don't think what I've what I've been witnessing on Twitter by by some Liverpool fans. I think it's pretty fucking piss poor taste, to be honest. Um, I, I, look, he, he had a shocker, no doubt about it. He had a shocker. Uh, Liverpool, they, they're building something strong there, but fucking to be sending the guy death threats and well, we we said it about um, Shaka early in the year. You know, the same thing happened with him. 
you just don't do that to players. I don't, you know, you're not, you're no bigger than fucking the player. So I know you're a fan and you're pissed off, but I thought that was in pretty piss poor taste. Um, for the goals, uh, Tony type of, I know you felt sorry for him a little bit, mate, but I think that that was just, I don't know how we threw that out to Benzema and ben, I just, I don't know. And I said to you guys that I was listening to um, Mark Bosnich on the uh, radio here with his opinion on it. And he said, you know, you'd, you'd almost do that one uh, error in like a training game, but to do that one error and then another later in the game, he said it's just unheard of. Um, what was your take on it, Tony? Well, first of all, I think Bosnia is full of shit. I mean, like, he, he faced a drugs ban, so how he can morally <laughs> look at anyone is beyond a joke. I mean, I understand why he's a pundit in Australia, especially when it comes to goalkeeping issues. But, like, I mean, really, there's no way he'd be employed over here. Like, how can you how can you morally criticise anyone when you when you face the ban yourself? It's like having Bruce Grobelar on for match fix. It, it wouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, I think he's talking nonsense. So the reason I feel sorry for Carrick is I think. The, look, the second goal is a horrible mistake. Uh, the ball moved, but not enough to for him to not save it. And But we've seen that happen before. We've seen a lot of times the ball's moved slightly and the keeper's lost concentration, probably thinking about how they're going to distribute the ball before they've saved it, and it ends up in the back of the net. It's, it's not like we've never seen a mistake like that before. We see them a lot more often than we should. The first one, for me, I, I, I think... I don't feel sorry for him, so I don't particularly care for him, but I think he's a bit unlucky in that we see them things like that happen all the time, but the strikers don't usually go for it. So Benzema's had to take a step and then stretch out, and he's done very well, and, and all credit to Benzema. But probably every week in the Premier League, from one of the games, there's a throw exactly like that, that the striker probably doesn't go for, and it just gets rolled out to the centre-back or the winger, and the game plays, and no one thinks anything of it at all. Benzema's taken advantage of the mistake, but I think Carriers could do that another another hundred times and, and not get caught out for it. Now, for the first few weeks of the season, you'll watch strikers will go, or in the World Cup, strikers will go after everything because of that mistake, and they'll never catch anything, and then it'll go back to the to the old way of not actually trying to get it when the keeper throws it out. But I just I feel he's just been a bit unlucky in that he hasn't expected Benzema to go for it, and he's as I said, he's probably done that a hundred times before in matches as well as training and, and got away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one as I said the second one is a huge mistake but we've seen it all before it's not like as I said it's not like we've never seen a mistake of that nature the ball moves a bit not enough to make a mistake like that but the keepers as I said I think he just thought it was so easy he was probably planning how he was going to distribute it before before, it, before he saved it but when the ball moves away it does we've seen these mistakes time and time again mm-hmm. um, the game in general you thought it was you know, three one final result. You were pretty happy. Uh, I mean, I was happy just because I can't stand Liverpool fans. But um, <laughs> I, I thought Liverpool. I don't, I don't know if the Salah injury was what changed it. But Liverpool were well on top. I thought Madrid were a bit clueless until they split their midfield um, and took Liverpool's running power out of it. I think if you look at the two midfields and, and, and specifically look at Cruz and Modric, they don't have the running power that. Wijnaldum, Henderson, Milner have who obviously started in the middle for, for Liverpool and they were just getting outworked so what they've done which I know, whether it was Zidane or whether it was the players took it among themselves they're two centre midfielders obviously they had Casemiro behind them but Modric and Cruz split very very wide which took away all of Liverpool's running power from the middle because they would either have to leave Cruz and Modric have the ball out wide or they'd use all the running power to go and get to them and leave space in the middle um, so I, that was very clever I don't know who it was Liverpool did end up going chasing them and, and that was when the technical ability came into show I think obviously is in hindsight but they probably should have left them they weren't in dangerous areas but obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing I thought Mane had a brilliant game um, they probably should have utilised him more against Nacho but I think the thing with the Salah injury was it was more the belief went I don't think it actually affected things massively on the on the, the pitch the game didn't change Significantly, it wasn't like Salah was playing a big part in the game hmm. uh, before he got injured, but I think the belief went a little bit um, hmm. from Liverpool, and they, were, especially for 20, 20 odd minutes, they were a bit like I don't want to say starstruck, but they, they didn't know what to do. 
Mm. Like, oh, we've lost Mo. How do we play now? What do we do? And yeah. uh, I also think Firmino didn't have his best of games, which made it extra difficult. Because I thought, as I said, I thought um, Mane played very well, but with, without Salah and then Firmino not really having a good game, it kind of made their, their fearsome front three a front one, really. And I think that was where the big issue lied. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwinn, enjoyed it, mate. Absolutely. I mean, I made it just in time for kickoff, so it was cutting it a bit close. Uh, and thankfully, I didn't have any air travel issues, as I as I know a lot of traveling fans ha- had to had to endure during these past uh, you know for, for this uh, for the week, week building up to the game. But I mean, <laughs> I do want to talk about that Gareth Bale goal, though, because Jesus Christ, I think that's that has to be the best goal I've seen in the flesh, and just. You know everything about it, from from the technique to the awareness to, uh, you know, just not looking at goal at all and just flinging a foot at it. I thought it was absolutely spectacular. I mean, the Ronaldo goal, I think, in terms of pure technique and premeditation, comes, you know, it probably aces it. But I think just as a visual spectacle, I think that Gareth Bale goal is probably the best I've seen in my life. Mm. And and that to to break the deadlock. So you know that's always that's always fun when it's a it's of consequence uh, in in the heat of the moment. So wow, Jesus, wow! Talk mm. about that, for you boys. Um, no, great goal, and one of the one of the best I've seen as well. Um, but what I want to touch on because I found it very interesting um, uh, is um, you know Real Madrid though. I'm just trying to think. Zidane, he won three European trophies, was it? Yep. And back then, back. and then quit. Um, I just something's gone on there, boys. Something's not right. Um, you got anything on that, Tony? Any thoughts? No, I, I expected him to go either way. To be honest, um, I, I said on a podcast here, which a follower reminded me of the other day, mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see Arsene Wenger. I think it was the, the podcast we'd done. I'm not sure if you wasn't on it, I don't think. I think it was Gimli. Uh, after Arsene Wenger left, we'd done a podcast, the, the one straight after, and I said I wouldn't be surprised to see Arsene Wenger as Real Madrid manager next season. So, I mean, that was in March, I think, or maybe April. So uh, I thought Zidane was gone either way, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know if Wenger's going to be their manager. Of course I don't, but I think he's currently the bookie's favourite. So... What was seen as a wild, random, or stupid guess from me in March or April now actually doesn't look too stupid. Well, he did, and I look. There was a little report that came out that I was reading before I jumped on here. Was um, he turns down, he turned down Real Madrid because he wants a, um, a a bigger bigger task or a bigger project or something. Um, so I don't that's know. the opposite of what I've read actually was I think it? there was okay yeah I think there was a there was a small piece on Arsene Wenger um, on being uh, yesterday or day before and Arsenic was tweeting about it and, and quotes from it yeah and uh, a couple of quotes on that were a that he Arsene is going to make a decision in the next 15 20 days I think that was some sort of time frame he gave uh, around about that time and the second thing that he's said a couple of times is that he wants a short-term project. Okay. You know, something that he can you know, put himself into, not change a whole lot, and and try and you know challenge at the very top for for all the competitions he's in. So, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't know which one is more accurate since I'm going off of what other people are are saying about him. Yeah, but yeah. it's 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 interesting that both those things have been talked about. Would you like him there, Schwinn? The same at Real Madrid? I don't know. It's I, I don't know what it's going to feel like. Yeah, mm. just I mean. Look, I, I'm always going to support him. I'm always right into battle for him. But I'd obviously see, you know, rather see him at a non-English club. And let's be honest, uh, Madrid are in a different stratosphere compared to us at the moment. So they don't—they're not even indirect rivals, right? We're not in the Champions League. We're not necessarily going to be playing Real Madrid the next year or two, perhaps. Mm. So uh, wherever he goes, uh, I'll be happy to support him. And. It would have been weird to see him at PSG. I'm not particularly a fan of um, oil money and, and petrodollars funding football, so I, it'd be a little hard for me to support him there. But at Real, I'd be happy to for him to succeed and do really well. I, um, yeah, I, I top I wouldn't mind him at PSG because I, for me, the French league is, I don't know, probably, I don't want to say the worst league, but 
the the fifth non. It's it's a league that not many people seem to get into. Um, more so the Premier League and La Liga and Serie A, probably you know. So Bundesliga is there as well. So out of the out of the couple of them, the uh, French leagues, you know, sits on the bottom. So type out of out of sight, out of mind is what I'm thinking. Um, you know, he's at PSG where he's at Real Madrid. He's going to be he's going to be you know the headline there in Champions League. Um, I hope he does well though. If he does decide to go there, he'll have a big transfer budget. I'd imagine. Um, what happens with Ronaldo, who knows whether he moves on or not. Um, what about you, Tony? Would you like to see him there or not? Yes and no. I mean, I, I want every success for Arsene Wenger as long as it doesn't come at Arsenal's expense, which obviously at Real Madrid it wouldn't. I think the big issue there is what's success? You could get to the Champions League final and it'd be branded a bad season. Right? Mm, and it would be like, oh, he's taken the winners to, to not winners anymore. When in reality, I mean, winning it three times in a row is a joke. Mm. And I don't, I mean, they probably are Bookie's favourite, but I don't think anyone expects them to win it four times in a row, regardless of who the manager is. But just it will be seen as a failure. And on a side note as well, Sky, I'm not sure who's got the, the rights for Spanish football in England next year. Sky Sports have just lost it for the first time in about 20 years. Yeah, and I'm not overly sure who's got it. So I'm not sure I'll be able to watch a lot of Spanish football which is a shame because if he was at Real Madrid, I would like to watch it a lot to see how he does things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, boys. Um, so just on touching a little bit on, oh, Tony, you might want to add a bit to this. I've seen a report running around, Jack Wilshere, um, because there's been a couple of changes of managers, boys. So we'll just touch quickly on these manager changes. Uh, West Ham. Just, just quickly before, sorry, um, I meant to bring this up in our previous section, but... Can we just quickly talk about that challenge on Salah? Uh, we haven't talked about it, so I was wondering what you guys uh, made of that, that Sergio Ramos on Mohamed Salah incident. Foul, no foul, yellow card, red card, uh, premeditated, I think so on and so forth. I think, I think it was probably a yellow card. Um, you know, it was one of them. There wasn't a lot into it. And then I see some Egyptian lawyer trying to sue. I think that's just the, just a complete joke. Um Yellow card for me, Tony. Well, he's trying to he's trying to sue Sergio Ramos for that. Is that what you said? Oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, laughable. Good God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But barely a foul for me. I, I could see it being given as a foul. I, wouldn't, I wasn't surprised that it wasn't given as a foul. You got to realize Salah made first contact. Again, they, they're grappling. It happens a hundred times in a the game. They both fell. Has Ramos held his arm there for longer than he should mean and weight goes on it? Potentially. But that doesn't make it that doesn't make it more of a foul or a red card offence, especially I mean you've got to try and improve in, uh you've got to uh prove, sorry, intention. So did he hold his arm? Yes. Did he hold another player's arm a million times in the game? Yes. Did Liverpool players do it to Real Madrid players? Yes. Did he hold it for too long and force it underneath him? Maybe, but you've got that's look. You can't prove that, and it, as I said, it happens in every game, more than one time. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. Had Salah got up from that and not been injured, which is perfectly possible, and what's happened every other time, no one would have said a thing about it. So people saying, "Oh, it's a red card tackle. We should get a retrospective ban." It's like, what sport do you usually watch? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you think, Shui? I have to agree. I mean, in the stadium, of course, it's you know it's very different than watching on the telly, as most of our listeners will also know. I, I didn't make anything of it. I thought it was a coming together of, of two bodies uh, trying to battle it out for the ball. You know, usually you can tell when there's a crunching challenge coming in, and it is not intended for the ball. I think both players were playing each other, and it just so happened that the way Salah fell on his on his shoulder, uh, things didn't work out well for him, but. When it when it happened in real time, I had I never even thought it was going to be given as a foul. I thought the referee is going to let the ball dribble on, and depending on who picks it, they pick it up, and and the game goes on from there. I thought it was a very fifty fifty challenge in that regard, mm-hmm. but I think just because of the state, the extent of the injury, and because you know the the game complexion, my mind at least changed after that, and I think a lot of Liverpool uh, fans felt like that as well. I think they you know they wanted a, a relief and and a reason to. You know, to distract themselves from the fact that they were, you know, beaten on the day, 
And uh, it's, I mean, it's only natural. I'm not accusing them of, of anything else. But yeah, in, in real time, I never thought of it once to be a cynical foul. No, okay, I agree. So um, just since we're talking about Liverpool, we might as well talk about uh, Tony. So they've got a new signing um, come in, but they're also talking about Fakir from Monaco. He's coming, or well, reports are saying he's there now. I, I don't know what you've, if you've heard any or read anything. And um, Emre Can he looks like heading to Juventus, I see. Um, Fabinho's a brilliant signing. Um, they will. I mean, I know he can play right back, but they'll play him in centre mid. Um, I he'll be very worked. Um, what he had at Monaco, I don't know so much about last season, but year before he had Bakayoko alongside him, who it was sort of like two defensive midfielders. I know Bakayoko is not strictly a defensive midfielder, but he's more he helps out. What I expect to see at Liverpool is Fabinho as the one with two attacking players ahead of him so it'll be a lot more work and it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't look as good as everyone thinks he is initially he is a very good player but I think he'll have to do a lot more work uh Fakir so all the reports yesterday were that he was flying over today for medical blah 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 uh today has been denied by both Liverpool and Fakir's team of course they're going to deny it whether he is here or not I don't have a clue mm. uh they will deny it until the moment it's signed, as as football transfers go, it always is. So I don't know if he's here or not. Uh, but Fabinho, I think, in the long run will be a good signing, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him criticised a bit at first, um, depending on how they set up. And Fakir, I, just, I don't really know where he fits in. For the, for the money they're spending, I think for Liverpool, if they do get him, it could be better spent elsewhere. Is he going to break up the front three? No. Are they... Are they going to play Cater, Fakir, and then Fabinho behind them? That's way too attacking, especially when you consider that Liverpool's problem hasn't been going forward. It's been at the other end of the pitch. So to leave that more exposed in favour of more goals when you have more than enough goals anyway doesn't doesn't make sense to me. They didn't not win the league this season because they didn't score enough goals. They didn't win the league because they conceded too many and, and they dropped silly points. Mm, that's so problem. for me, I, yeah, I think it would just be suicidal to... So this season, you'd, you'd argue that potentially they didn't have any defensive midfielders, but they had three centre midfielders when they played Chamberlain, Wijnaldum, Milner, Chan, um, Henderson. All, of, all five of them, you'd probably say, are, are centre midfielders. They're not attacking, they're not, they're not defensive. Whereas if, if them three players come in, or two of them are already there, but they play them three in centre midfield, you're going to have two attacking midfielders and one defensive midfielder, which to me seem, seems crazy. But um, Emery Chan going to Juventus, I think it's been, I mean, obviously it's not confirmed yet, but if uh, for me it's the worst kept secret in football. I think everyone's been saying since January that he's pretty much agreed. I don't know why it's not been announced, mm-hmm. um, if, if that is the case. But as I said, for, for a long time, and I remember when we first started talking about free transfers on here, and I think it was around January, because you're like, our oh, teams can now start to talk in foreign players. I'm pretty sure we mentioned then that Emery Chan was pretty much almost certain to go to Juventus. Mm-hmm. Sorry, for Q, for uh, Leon, sorry. Um, I'd mentioned Monica. Um, but I just wonder, like, we lost uh, uh, Chamberlain last season. Now, where's this put him? Uh, I mean, he's out He's out till probably Christmas anyway. I think they're saying September, but with no training, no match fitness. But it's, it's going to be, it's probably going to be November, December before he's back anyway uh, for a start. And then, I don't know. I mean, it probably... I, I think he's the centre midfielder, as I said, if you list the other five centre midfielders, if you assume Chan's gone, mm. that probably suits them most. But he's more attacking than defensive. So, yeah, I don't know. Look, Klopp does rotate a lot, and they're going to be involved heavily in a lot of competitions. So, you'd imagine against the bigger teams, it might be a case of Chamberlain or Wijnaldum um, come in. Um, they both provide great energy. It all depends on how they're going to start. I mean, for me, the Fakir signing doesn't make sense. It's, mm. it's just as simple Odd. as that. So well, it's hard to see how they're going to fit other people in without knowing how they're going to fit him in. What's he, $45 million player? Who, Fakir? Yeah, or 65. And they're talking about 60 million, yeah, 60, yeah. 65 million. Way off Arsenal's budget. Well, maybe, maybe not. Again, I just, uh, look, I, I'm not a huge fan anyway. I know a lot of people, people really rate him, but... I don't want to say luxury player because that's seen as like a derogatory term, but 
I, I just don't know where he fits in to anyone, really. Okay. So even at Arsenal, he wouldn't fit in, you don't think? Yeah, he could potentially fit in, but for me, I see him as very similar to like a Mkhitaryan and potentially better, but not, not £65 million pounds worth. Okay. Um, Schwinn, you got any to add, Mike? Quickly, uh, Fabinho, brilliant signing. I think even though in, in the way it was done and announced, I think the report surfaced and within an hour uh, the announcement was made. So I was speaking with a friend of mine who's a massive Liverpool fan and um, he seemed very, very stoked because I think we all know where Liverpool's frailties lie. And that's obviously at the back end of the pitch. Uh, the Fakir signing and rumors, of course, do, you know, I, I don't believe them either. I think there's a clear sense of the defense being an issue and uh, a goalkeeper at this moment couldn't be any clearer, right? Mignolet and Karius just haven't quite made the cut. And of course, we just talked about what Karius did in the Champions League final. There's a lot of reports about Butland uh, to Liverpool, although I think there's some uh, links with Chelsea as well now. So, uh, that would be an interesting space to watch. But, of course, we know that you know there's a bit of interest in Allison, and I know you wouldn't be too kicked about that, Tez. But you have to imagine that Liverpool are, are hunting for a goalkeeper uh, as their next priority. And as, as Tony just mentioned, attack is not their problem. So the Fakir signing, considering the price tag as well, just doesn't add up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison, yeah, for Roma, he is, and I don't know if it was him or his agent, apparently has said he would prefer a bigger club like Real Madrid, um, so he'll wait at Roma until he gets an offer from Real Madrid. There was rumours this morning that, that um, Madrid had agreed terms from him. Again, there were only rumours, but yeah. it would be a surprise because there had long since been thought through a lot of people in football that Courtois was going to end up there, which is why he was avoiding signing a new contract. Uh, obviously we potentially have an issue with Chelsea and money, which would make that move seem even more likely. So I don't know what's going on with, with Alisson, because if them reports are, are true, then I haven't got a clue what happens with Courtois. Maybe he goes back to Atletico if our black goes to PSG, or maybe he goes to PSG himself. I don't know. Is De Gea, De Gea he's well off the table, wasn't he? Wasn't it Real Madrid where the fax machine fucked up a few years ago or something? Yeah. So yeah. He, he's well off the table then, by the sounds or too dear. I don't think anyone could afford him. Mm. Yeah. You got to remember that United don't need to sell financially, and they're not going to be able to upgrade on him because he's the best in the world. Mm. So, what what price does that make him? Unless he forces his way out, which he doesn't seem like he he is. He seems happy, doesn't he? Yeah. Then then there's no price you can put on him because they don't need the money, mm. and they can't improve. It's not like they could sell him for a lot of money and go and buy someone better. It, it's physically impossible. He is the best. So you right? You reckon he's the best there is? Uh, I think by distance. I know some people will say Neuer, but for yeah. me, the Haya by by a stretch. Yeah. Okay. You agree with that, Shwin? Yes. Best yeah. shot stopping goalkeeper, and by definition, goalkeeper. I know the the fabric of modern goalkeepers is changing and moving more so towards the sweeper keeper side. But I know for a fact that if my team is is playing against someone and I can see the penalty. I want David De Gea in goal. Mm. Um, and this is not to say that De Gea has a better penalty record. Uh, I don't know the numbers that, that well as, you know, that may as well be the case. But I psychologically, I would feel much more secure with David De Gea in goal um, when it comes to, you know, shot stopping and, and, and saving chances. Okay. Um, right, boys, just quickly. So while we're talking, man, United, um, yeah, this is a worry for me, boys. Verratti from PSG. Um, Mourinho has mentioned him as the marquee signing this year. That would really improve them, wouldn't it, Tony? Uh, it would. It would improve anyone. Mm. He's an excellent player, but I, I can't see it happening. Mm. I think that's something that's so early down the rumour stage. If we start talking about all of them, we're going to have to talk about Arsenal's 704 signings oh, that we've made so far. Haven't we, fucking, haven't we got some? Yeah. Um, okay. Now, there was, is the, the only one that really stuck out for Arsenal is Nzonzi. Um, you put a poll up, Tony. Was it? Oh, no, you didn't put a poll. You just asked the question. Um, Weren't me. Wasn't it you? Oh. Schwinn? Nope, not I, me either. 
Like, uh, who the fuck's hacked our account? Because it wasn't me, boys. It's probably a gerbil. I'll get to the fucking bottom of this shit. <laughs> fucking done, boys. <laughs> no, seriously, wasn't it you, lads? No, it wasn't me. Oh, I assumed it was okay. you. No, it wasn't me. Okay. Someone's running our Twitter account. We have absolutely no idea who did it. But somebody has asked the question about Enzonzi. That's why I put it on the notes of the podcast, because I thought Tony must have knew something about it. Um, quickly, you want him, Tony, or not? Uh, I've seen a lot of people that do. I wouldn't be... I don't think it'd be a bad signing, but I don't think it'd be an excellent one either. I think there's probably better players out there for the type of money or or at least on the same level, but younger. You've got to remember his age when he's paying for a 20, 40 million for a 29-year-old. It's a, it's a lot when I, I personally think there's players of, of his level around. I think people want him more because of his size and stature. Mm. Um, they want a tough, hard DM and he's six foot something. He's massive. He's about six foot four. He's strong. He's obviously very big. Um, so I can see that it, he kind of ticks those boxes. But... On the same hand, them, them same people would say, oh, in an ideal world, we'd get Kante. Well, there's probably about a foot between them in height. So you don't have to be a big strapping six-foot-four geezer to, to play a defensive midfield. So I think when you're looking at the money involved in his age, I think there's probably better or as good out there, but, but a lot younger. Um, so I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I, I can't say I'd be like, having a party if we signed him. Also, I'm a bit dubious because I know... I can't remember if it was last year or January. I think it was last year. We was heavily linked to him. And it was just his agent trying to get him out of the club. They offered him pretty, to pretty much every big club. Yeah, I remember that. And obviously no one took him. He was still there. Yeah. Uh, there was rumours he had a change of heart, but that's not true. It was no one offered the money. Uh, he had a release clause, so if it was activated, everyone would have known about it. So I'm a bit dubious about how true these rumours are. I, I, would, I think they've probably just come back around because we now have an ex-severe manager mm. who Ndonzi played under. Um, and it also it just doesn't fit uh, Sven Misselin's mould at all. I know Aubameyang probably didn't, but Aubameyang is a world-class player, whereas Nzonzi is not. So for me, I think the reports have probably just come around based on previous things, which were also nonsense. I said yes. Um, um, I said yes in the comments on the tweet, on the thing only because. I thought of that link with our man, the new manager, so I thought, well, there's, you know, he knows him inside and out, um, so you probably get the best out of him quickly. Well, I think you've got to, look. There's there's two ways of of answering this. Would he improve us? Yes. So that in in one sense means go and sign him. Mm. But then I'm looking at the other side of the question: is can you get more for your money, and or as I said, or at least the same amount, but more in terms of years of service. And I also believe the answer to that is yes. So I can understand why people want him, as he would improve us right now. Yeah. I just think there's people that can improve us more for what we're looking to spend on. Okay. Uh, Schwinn, what about you, mate? And Zonzi, if he was available? Or he's available, I suppose. Right. I, I, don't, I don't believe the links, um, to be very honest. But let's, let's imagine for, for, for right now that they are true and he does come. I think... My reservation is more to do with the role he's going to be playing. You know, if if we want him to be a backup who can come solidify things, someone like an Eleni who's better defensively, for example. And you know, seventy minutes in, we're one nil or two one up, and we want someone to come in, slow things down, and and bring more steel into the midfield. Uh, someone to essentially play backup and second fiddle to to Granite. I think I'd be down for that because I think. That 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 is needed in the team right now, but you know I, I keep thinking about the wage that we're going to be spending on him. I keep thinking about the rebuild we'll have to do in two three years from now, irrespective of any future signings and their profile. And and Zonzi doesn't really s- scream a lot of resale value, does he? No. So so th- yeah, that those are my reservations. Uh, I, I was listening to an Arsenal podcast and I forget which one it was, so do forgive me for this, but. You know, someone was talking about Lick Steiner and the, the the contract terms that are being discussed and how that l- aligns with Emery's contract that he signed. And uh, a very good point was made that the next two years are, are going to be about a rebuild, but in a very different way, where it seems like we're bringing in these experienced heads who, who can you know push the club further forward. 
before we have to do a massive rebuild because you know the age profile of our squad is very disjointed right now. We have a lot of young, very young players, and a lot of almost old players. But that that middle profile, we only have you know two, three, four players maybe, and just two starters, maybe three starters if you want to include Lacazette in there. Mm. So I, I think it fits in with that sort of uh, that that rebuilding phase where we bring in those players for two years whether they've done it all in at different leagues or it's someone, as you said, has, has links with the managers or the manager trusts them. So there, there is, there, there is some sort of, you know, believable element to this link. And I wouldn't necessarily mind in Zonzi, but of course, I think Tony made the, made a very astute point that if we are going for someone like him, someone who can bring that skill set, then there's other options out there. And why would we not try and do that, especially when we have someone like Sven who can identify even more options than are known at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a couple of early in January, I remember, uh, Malcolm and pa- uh, what was the kid's name, Pavon or something like that, wasn't it? Right. Uh, I mean, of course, both both players different in that regard. Uh, Pavon is, is a left winger, Malcolm is a right winger. Uh, and of course, Enzonzi is a is a destroyer, a center defensive mid, an anchor, and all those cliches that go with it. So, of course, different profiles, but you know, right? I mean, basically, you you are alluding to that point that Sven can identify this talent, and if that is the case, why not try and mm. find someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, to that point, uh, sorry, just yeah. quickly. To that point, uh, you know, we missed out on someone like that, someone young like that. I feel. Uh, when Atletico signed Rodrigo recently, a couple of weeks, maybe even a month ago, very, very soon after the season ended. And I think that player is the closest I've seen to a Sergio Busquets in the, in the last 10 years. Mm. And he, he'll, be a, he'll be a star player, I feel. And just lastly, the only bit of Arsenal, other two Arsenal bits of news that I could actually find. It's very fucking quiet. Um, obviously, we were linked to Lamar through January, heavily last summer. Um, now Atletico Madrid uh, linked there, so I don't know whether that will happen. Um, personally, I, I, you know, as every Arsenal fan type of jumped up and down, as soon as we're linked to everybody, um, I don't think Lamar had that good a season, boys, last year. So if he's going to cost in the 60 to $70 million, I don't think I'd really want him anyway. Um, now another one was... oh. We'll talk about me golden boy, Granite Shaka. Um, he had a little injury, boys. I was a bit upset, a bit sad about that, Tony. Um, but he looks like he's going to come out, mate. He'll be playing the World Cup. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of bruising on the bone, which can hurt, um, can make you very stiff, but uh, seems to be okay. It's always worrying when a player goes straight to hospital for a scan immediately after an injury. Mm. Um, it means they know it's not muscular because they, they can't scan muscles for, for 24 hours usually. Uh, and so when they said it, he was going straight to hospital and he was in obvious pain, it it was worrying. I've not seen the incident. Um, I know there is a video of it, but I've not seen it. Apparently it didn't look too bad. Um, but yeah, going back from hospital, I think a bit of soreness, a bit of stiffness, probably missed the next friendly. But by all accounts, should be okay for the, for the opener. Should be good. Um, and did you read the report on Giroud? And I agree with him. He, he had basically come out and said, I signed for Chelsea because I had to, um, uh, you know, mate, I wanted to basically be in the France team, so you can't hate the man for that. Um, he wanted to play the World Cup, so he signed for Chelsea. So Plus, he wasn't getting much game time in Arsenal anyway, was he? Um, so, yeah, you can't blame me for that. Um, do-do-do, righto. Yeah, we've got some questions or some topics we did ask. Now, I'm a bit concerned because if you, I don't know if you've answered these or not, Tony, or as our mystery um, Twitter person, um, because OG underscore 1886 says, do you, do you think there is any truth in Arsenal trying to get a loan deal for Dembele? Personally, I think it's the club trying to sell season tickets like they did last year with Mbappe and Higuain before that. But then, you did you answer this, Tony? Yeah, that was me. Okay, cool. <laughs> Do you want to answer it for the listeners? Uh, so, if I remember rightly, I'd look, I mean, the season ticket renewal deadline's gone now anyway, unless it's been extended, which it usually is. But 
in in theory, the the season ticket uh, deadline has gone now. I think they're probably exploring that opportunity of Dembele. I can't see it happening. I think the confusion comes where Barcelona are almost certain to sign Griezmann. Dembele wasn't getting a lot of game time as it as it was. Um, then they signed Coutinho. I know he was injured, but then they signed Coutinho, which means he was probably likely to get less game time. But obviously now Iniesta's gone, Coutinho probably slips into that role. But it's just looking at Griezmann. I mean, sorry, at Dembele, who was probably a sub anyway. Then then Griezmann comes in, which pushes him further down the pecking order um, to at best a sub. And and they're paying. They paid a lot of money for him, and and he's not going to get any better as sitting on the bench. And mm. he's obviously on high wages, so it may be an idea for him to to go out on loan, get if not all of his wages, a large portion of them covered by someone else, and get him game time in order to improve him. Um, like, would, a, like a Rodriguez it, thing with PSG or something, you think? Rodriguez? Uh, yeah, Mr. Rodriguez. Well, not, didn't, he mean, he on, didn't he go? Didn't he go? Didn't he go online for P, with PSG? Yeah, to Bayern. No, Bayern. Ah, Bayern was it? Bayern. Sorry. Yeah, but it would. Yeah. So, and but in a sense, it would make sense. We would actually make a lot of sense because we're not going to be in the Champions League, and and the loan rule. Uh, so, in the Premier League, if you loan a player to another Premier League side, you can put a clause in that means they can't play against you. They're not allowed to play against their parent club. In the Champions League, that rule does not exist. They are absolutely allowed to play. And obviously, Hammers scored against Real Madrid and, and could have knocked them out of the Champions League. Mm. We, would, we would make sense uh, for Dembele if they are looking, uh, exploring that avenue. It would make sense to loan him to us because it means the player cannot hurt them in any way because we're not in the same competitions. And we're probably one of the only Europa League clubs that could afford him. I, I don't see it happening, but there's a lot of a lot of positives um, that suggest